Welcome one and all to Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. And this is the Taylor Finney episode. What can I tell you about Taylor? Well, he comes from premium American bike racing stock and both of his parents were top pros. He's got a Palmares as long as his own very long arms. But then that's already been well documented elsewhere. In this podcast, Taylor explains how kombucha might sound gross, but has become a neo-hippie delicacy. You'll find out what role a hotel buffet had in his decision to retire from the pro peloton. And now that he can ride whatever bike he likes, Taylor's looking forward to rekindling his love of parkour by jumping off buildings on a BMX. So let's get cracking on the first podcast I recorded since I moved house. Sit back, relax in familiar or new surroundings, which in time will become familiar, a bit like a new pair of shoes. Stick your feet up on a nearby cardboard box and enjoy the pod. Podcast. Taylor Finney was perhaps always destined to be a bike racer. Both his mother and father were champions in their own disciplines. Look them up. With my limited knowledge of genetics, it was no wonder Taylor went on to win countless track and road races, with his walls now adorned with numerous US national champions jerseys and a few rainbow stripes too. But while discussing Palmares is one of my favourite things to do, I was more keen to find out why a football-mad nine-year-old Taylor was delighted when his orthodontist created a gap in his front teeth. Let's check it out. Hey Taylor, thank you very much for joining us, mate, um, on the Matt Stevens Unplugged podcast. Thanks, man. It is my pleasure to be here on the Matt Stevens Unplugged podcast. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a. It, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this, mate. But um, before we get get into the chat, um, would you be kind enough um, to describe your whereabouts? So it, exactly the room you're in, what you can see in front of you, and also the location in the world, just so our listeners can really um, kind of feel at ease with where you are. Paint a picture? Yeah, paint a picture. Uh, I'm in Boulder, Colorado. It is, uh, I would say it's about 12 degrees Celsius outside. I was wearing jean shorts um, and a puffy jacket, which is sort of a classic look for me these days. Um, I'm inside now, and I'm at my kitchen counter, uh, the counter is made of what looks like marble, could be fake, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, and the lighting is sort of like a medium to bright, uh, and I'm right next to the refrigerator, which I will probably open up at some point to have a kombucha. Very nice. Oh, is, is that the the overnight kind of oats that you kind of, with fruit and stuff in it, or am I being confused? Is that, is that what that is? Um. That's a good guess. That's not at all what it is. It's oh, a, right. uh, <laughs> it's like, a, it's a, if you can imagine like a big mushroom growing in um, water uh, that ferments over time and releases all of these uh, probiotics and uh, different bacterias that are good for you. Um, that's what kombucha is. It's mixed with like tea, sometimes sugar. Uh, sounds super gross, but um, it's a bougie uh, neo hippie delicacy. 
It sounds it sounds amazing. When you were describing it to me, I had this uh, vision in my mind of this big, of quite a large mixing bowl with a giant mushroom in it, um, with the kind of neon lights, tiny little neon lights and little stars coming off it. Um, that was what I think, and that, that you could just have spoonfuls on, it would kind of live forever. So is it one of those things that you just add to and keep eating, or do you eat it all and start another one? Is it one of those things like a Hermann bread in Germany where you've got the yeast that is almost a century old? Uh, if you make it yourself, you, um, yes, you can keep kind of like feeding. I believe it's called the scoby. Is like oh, this right. big mushroom. You can sort of keep uh, keep it going. But I just buy the bottled um, kombucha, which, funnily enough, comes from Beverly Hills. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and yes, there are definitely neon lights involved, and uh, it is hallucinogenic. So um, at some point, this conversation might take a sort of a strange turn if it hasn't already. It's, yeah, it's definitely taken us ever so slightly off the beaten track. If this were, if this were a gravel ride, we'd probably be veering down a ditch, uh, but still just about in control of the bike uh, without having to dab. I reckon we'd just about veer ourselves back on again, uh, back onto that sort of the safety of the of the path. Um, Taylor, first and foremost, about how are you, buddy? Um, it's been it's actually quite recent when I last saw you. I saw you in Leuven, didn't I, for the for the World Championships? What have you been up to uh, in the last couple of months? Uh, that's a great question. Um, thank you. It's nice to talk to you as well. Um, they had a good time in Leuven. You were having a good time when I, I saw was. you there. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I was really excited that day because I had purchased an old rally frame, size 64, uh, from back in the 50s, uh, which I um, is an ongoing project. It's over in Europe. I'm in Colorado, uh, but I'm pretty much just bouncing around from different passion projects, um, living the dream, really, uh, building a lot of things. Um, part of those projects involve like things that are as simple as shelving, um, or, uh, I just built a metal table I just welded for the first time a couple of weeks ago to build a like a DJ table for our art warehouse in Spain and now that I'm back in Boulder I have this old stump jumper from the 80s like mid 80s uh, that I'm kind of turning into this neo retro gravel mountain do-it-all bicycle um, so still very much obsessed with bikes but also building different things and then doing like a little bit of painting and uh actually quite a lot of mixing on uh on some turntables um because that's super fun and i have that set up wow so you you so in in short i mean that was a good two minutes you're you're doing a lot of stuff i am doing (laughs) i am doing a lot of things i mean i'm uh I'm still uh, fun employed and uh, just kind of like, I feel like I'm just like acquiring skills um, yeah. at kind of at random um, or however, whatever I feel like I, I want to be doing. So in that way, that's, that's where the whole living of the dream comes in. Sure. Um, 
And so I feel very fortunate that I'm able to just kind of follow those different passions um, and just have fun most days. Uh, I also ride my mountain bike quite a lot and um, hang out with my girlfriend, Kasha. Um, Indeed, of course, um, you I did the pod, this very pod with Cassia, well, I must have been six or seven months ago. And you, you, you made a very brief cameo appearance. And, and I think, Taylor, you're the only person who's made a cameo in another pod and, end, and ended up with his own pod. So that, that's a first, which is, I wouldn't say it's a big deal, but it's, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, you got you to gotta fight your way to the top. You got to put your name out there. Uh, in order to get recognized, in order to stay relevant, um, you know, that's the main, that's the most important thing these days, right? Oh, definitely, mate, definitely. Well, just to pick up on, if anybody was listening to your little summary of the stuff you've got up to, that there's one thing that, that a lot of them, they can actually see for themselves. And the most recent one, that that stump jumper, I was, I think you might have been wearing exactly the same clothes that you're out in this morning. Uh, jean shorts, a rather nice brown puffer and you're you are on board that stump jumper so if anybody heads to your instagram they can see you on that beautiful bike because it's really nice sometimes to listen to these pods and then see pictures when you listen look at other stuff to really set that context because it it's a thing of beauty i'm a massive fan of 80s and 90s old bikes yeah if you go to my instagram uh just above the uh picture of my bare ass you can see <laughs> the stump jumper <laughs> Sorry, I nearly, I nearly choked on my tea because I was going to mention that, but I'm glad you 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 gave you've given people fair warning, haven't you? Uh, but it hasn't been. It's a it's a lovely pic. It's a lovely picture, and obviously, the, 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 and, and and obviously, uh, one thing I did notice, um, you've not you've still he- a heavily muscled man. Um, you've still got those thighs. I did notice. I thought he still looks after himself. That lad does Taylor uh, running away from shot, but it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that ass. Um... <laughs> Those are I would attribute the um, my uh, my rear my rear end and those uh, specifically those the rear thigh uh, yeah. the upper rear thigh that <laughs> that comes from from riding a single speed around ah, everywhere yeah yeah in Spain um, that's kind of my go to like road slash gravel bike is this old Schwinn Paramount that. Um, was just built up as a townie. Uh, it's not even my bike. It's um, it's from Jason McCartney, who used to race with like uh, CSC, and yep. I think he was on Postal Service for a bit. But uh, he lived in Girona, and it was his first junior race bike. And then he left it there um, with my friend David who I paint with and then it's, you know, it's quite a large frame and I've, we would just do these rides where we would go to the ocean and I didn't want to ride like my big chunky tire mountain bike. Cause that would take forever. So I was like, Oh, I'll just ride the, the single speed, but you know, you, it's, it's hilly terrain. So yeah, uh, you got to kind of punch it. I also don't ride with clips, um, just ride with flat pedals. So, uh, I think that's where coming full circle, that's yeah. where um, the thighs, you know, stay, uh, stay uh, supple. In, indeed, I, I thick. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you, you're a toned man, and and it's nice that you've explained that and put that into a little bit of context. <laughs> I, I, I remember, I've I've only once ridden a fix. Obviously, ridden fixes on the track, but I, I went to Berlin a couple of years ago to do a video with GCN with a company called Schindelhauer Bikes, and they make these really super cool fixes um, with um, those kind of. There's rubber, the, the silent drivetrains. They've got the, the kind of standard ones, and they've got uh, one of those uh, Red Hook crit teams as well. Anyway, I, w- I went around Berlin with this guy, and he, and he taught me how to to brake backwards, and it's just pedaling backwards. I was riding through the traffic with no brakes, and um, I was limping by the end of the day. But he said you just build up that resistance, and you do uh, develop uh, like a, a, I'm no. I'm no medic, but like a back thigh. And I, I definitely got ever so slightly toned, but only in one leg. <laughs> so, cause you, but it's quite an effort. It takes a bit of time to get used to it. And then you can really pull some really good skids once you've got proper strength, can't you? And you pedal backwards. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, I came from the track, um, course, but I wasn't yeah. doing a lot of skidding on the track itself. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, that concentric movement is is uh actually can be very dangerous for the knees yes yeah fair warning to all you out there yeah please don't just jump on your fixie and go and try and do skids especially if you've got a lot of pace up because if you've not done it before it's not good so let's just put that out there as a little uh a little caveat a little safety caveat endorsed and rubber stamped by both me and taylor and um so you don't i would say do it you know go do it but don't blame us. Yeah, because you, you. yeah, because what we wouldn't want to do as well. It's a really, really good point. Um, it's like w- when you're watching a cryptocurrency YouTube video and they say, "Do this, do that." This is not financial advice. That kind of thing. Yeah, if you know what exactly. I mean. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, right. I'd, I'd like you, if you don't mind, Telly, because you've talked about there's so many different things that I want to get through. Um, but what I'd like to do first is just rewind. Um, a bit to your childhood growing up at home with um, two amazing parents, uh, both complete I- cycling icons in, in their own right. What was it like? I still want to know two things. Firstly, what was it like? What was it like growing up um, yeah. at home with two parents who were the best in the world at what they did? And and off the back of that, keeping it bike themed, it's actually quite a punchy, big, bulging question, really. What was the first bike you can remember riding? Um, yeah, take it away. So growing up, and then what bike did you jump on the first for the first time? Right, bulging, bulging yes. question. Yeah, all the questions so far have been bulging. They um, have. I, <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to ask me what my first cryptocurrency was that I invested in. Um, oh, you can tell me that as well. Which one was it? No, I can't. Oh, okay. Uh, for legal reasons. No, no, um, I won't tell you mine either. <laughs> uh, you know, I get asked quite a lot about uh, what it was like to grow up with my parents. Um, You know, I'm going to just frame that in that. I I don't know what it, what it wouldn't have been like to grow up without my parents. Obviously I had um, direct access to bikes. Um, Also a lot of uh, bike industry people, Sure. And bike experiences because my parents did bike camps, yeah. Um, which I was sort of like it was like a summer job thing that I would sort of help out with. Um, 
So, I mean, I think it was like, if I think back, I think like, oh, it's like kind of daunting, you know, to have uh, two parents uh, who were Olympians. Um, But I was also like pretty confident young person. Um, So I was like more like ready to, to like step up, you know, to like kind of be uh, an equal um, in terms of, you know, I don't know how I played soccer when I was like really little. And of course I took it like as seriously as possible. And, um, and my dad also took it like as seriously as possible. And then we had a little blow up thing where I was like, you know, I'm like nine and we should chill. Um, And then as soon as I got into cycling, I think my parents were like, uh, probably like super stoked, but you know, they were kind of like trying to be cool about it. Yeah. Um, to not, not, uh, not make it too intense, but like the reality is like, I wanted it to be like full on from the start. Okay. Um, and you know, once I got that sort of taste for like winning, um, then that's all I, that's all I really wanted. Uh, but my first bike, um, like first, like kind of like baby bike was like, uh, it just, I don't even remember. I think it might've been a Trek, but it was kind okay. of more of like a mountain bike. Um, sort of you imagine like a strider kind of nowadays, but like yep. with pedals, uh, sure. and knobby tires, and I, I pretty much rode only mountain bikes until I was like 15 or, or no, sorry, until I was like 12 or 13. And then I remember having a, I think I had like a Bianchi that I was, okay. uh, yeah. And that may have been my first road bike, although, you know, flash forward into the future when my dad is listening to this podcast, he's going to be like, no, your first bike was this. And I'll be like, yeah, does it really matter? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of bikes around is the moral yeah. of the story. So, so quite clearly rather than feel you were almost again from based on what you're saying, you felt, almost empowered and you felt, you know, you're obviously a very, very confident young man rather than um, be overawed by the success of your parents. You, you, you just kind of took the baton and, and went and ran with it yourself almost. It was a very natural. And, and was uh, at that particular point in your life when you, um, did, was there anything else? What, did you think about anything else in terms of what you wanted to do or were you really, really in and it was just cycling, 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 or were you already at this point, thinking about other things because you strike me if you don't mind me saying um as somebody you got a really really intriguing um disposition um and it's it's very rare that I've, I've been in contact with anybody especially in a sporting environment like it and i just wondered um if the cycling thing rang parallel w- with a a different aim on life but you just wanted to do cycling to see to see how far you could go or or did this other side of you um come out later yeah, I would definitely say that the other side uh, blossomed 
a bit later. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I mean, I've, I've always been pretty um, bouncy, like physically and mentally. So not a, not a, not a great student in the sense that I wasn't like paying attention in school ever, but I was also kind of like smart enough to just, I remember my whole thing in high school was I would never do homework at home. I would only do homework at school. And that usually meant that I was doing homework the hour, like in the class before the class that the homework was due. So I was like, (laughs) (laughs) brilliant. Wow. Yeah. So I was just like constantly like not present, but also like doing a lot of work and, but also stressing myself out um, Mm. by not, doing work like in the time when I had all of this time to do it. Um, but that was just cause I didn't, I don't know. I just, I didn't want to be spending my time doing schoolwork cause I was too energetic. Like I had yeah. to be doing stuff like my, uh, my first kind of love. I've always been into like sports and activity. Um, my first kind of, my first love was, football soccer in america and um that's that was like you know i wanted to be like ronaldo like brazilian ronaldo with the gap tooth (laughs) right i even uh when i first started my orthodontic journey at a young age they (laughs) like were splitting my like splitting my teeth up on the top and i ended up having a gap tooth and i was like so hyped because wow. I was like, I look like Ronaldo. Um, but then those teeth fell out. And then, you know, my teeth are now straight. Um, but I got off track. Uh, <laughs> all, I, uh, all I'm doing, all, I can just, all I've got in my head now is a picture of you now, a picture of you as a kid, <laughs> and then a, pi- and a picture of Ronaldo. Um, I, I, can't shake, I can't shake it. Maybe we would just use a picture of Ronaldo as a promo for this one. Anyway. <laughs> But yeah, he had a significant gap between his teeth, and he and they were yeah, yeah, they're adult teeth. I mean, you do get gaps with baby teeth, but when you when you get your second teeth, generally there aren't gaps, and you know it's it's quite a rare thing to have a significant gap between your two front adult teeth. And I'm no dentist. Yeah, me me neither. (laughs) But I agree. Um, Anyway, so I was really into soccer. Uh, and I could play soccer like at school in recess, you know, and that was really fun. And then, um, we moved to Italy, uh, when I was 12 and that's when I realized like I wasn't going to be a professional soccer player because I could have been, I was good maybe in like Colorado in the USA, but then in Italy, I was like, you know, bottom 10%. So, um, the other thing that I loved to do, which I'm reconnecting with now, is um, like just doing terrain park laps at ski resorts. So like just doing jumps and rails. And I, I used to be kind of like a like a park rat, but then I would hurt myself all the time from okay. just like not making the jumps or like falling on a rail or something. Um, So when I decided to kind of start racing bikes, it was like, sort of like, do I want to be like a skier or do I want to be 
a biker and then I chose kind of chose cycling because I was naturally more gifted at it. And then I also thought it was going to be less dangerous, <laughs> which, yeah. uh, yeah. it wasn't. No. Um, but I've always had this kind of like, I, <laughs> I, there was a summer when I was like, um, 14 where I got really into parkour, like when f- free running sort of started yeah. becoming popular. Yeah. And so I was just like jumping off of buildings, my friend. And then I, of course, like <laughs> Brilliant. hurt my, hurt my back. Um, but I've always had this kind of side of like this, like adrenaline side, um, that I think racing played into a bit. And that's like why I liked races like Perry Roubaix, but yeah. I'm recognizing now that I'm much rather just like, uh, I don't really want to spend like seven hours, like doing all of like getting all of my energy out. And I just want to kind of spend like an hour or two, like at a pump track or a skate park or like a, or like a jump line with my mountain bike, um, or a dirt jump bike and just like, just kind of have fun. Yeah. It's, it, it's, there's quite, I mean, I've, I, I, I like to watch people doing parkour. Um, I, I, and I have done, I have done a little bit yeah. of parkour before. Uh, um, We've all was, done it, some parkour. Yeah. I, I'm very, very, I'm not, I'm pretty good at the 360 spin with an umbrella. Mm. Are they, are they, I kind of like, like, like a sword. I don't jump off buildings. I'm, I generally have one foot perpetually rooted to the ground. It's, it's called contact parkour. Um, it's a lot safer once you get past 40 as well. Grounded, um, grounded it, 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 Yeah, exa- exactly. And, and it, it's its own kind of world. Um, it's not on the internet quite as much. Um, but hey, um, did you ever, is, is it, not when you do your, when you did your parkour, what did you shout as you did the parkour bit? Did you ever shout parkour? Or did you, <laughs> or was it silence? Or did you, uh, what, because I'm fascinated. Um, I think I was mostly shouting like, when I landed on the ground after like a, uh, jumping off the buildings. Right. Okay. <laughs> We've definitely gone off the beaten track, but I, I, I mean, parkour, I mean, it, it's, it's flipping brilliant, isn't it? And I know I remember doing a mini bit of parkour actually when I was about seven. It was, it was in the a great- very brief, it was a brief, yeah, it was a I'm brief like, period. It, the thing is, it is, it. It's very, very high impact, isn't it? High risk, high impact, and it's harder than knees. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not great if you if you're riding your bike, really. Is it? Let, let's be honest, completely different, but um, but nonetheless, very very exciting. I mean, okay, Taylor. Um, actually, um, oh, well, there's a oh, there's a funny sound coming through. I think it might be time. Oh, random question Hold on a minute, alert. mate. Random question alert. Random question alert. It is time for a random question. Is this a COVID thing? Uh, f- no, um, I'm, it's, uh, I, I've recently just moved house, um, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, this is day two. Uh, I'm not in my usual pod room, but somehow Sigma Sports um, have transferred the random question generator from my house in West London to this one, new one in Derby. Um, and what it is, it's this old industrial Russian computer from probably 1984 and it, it it basically is a red light on it and it, it flashes I've, I've torn off this bit of paper um 
And it's a random question that I have to ask you now. I've never seen this question before, Taylor. I thought um, this was like a UK like COVID alert sort of thing that was just happening. <laughs> your no, you're fine. House. No, <laughs> God, imagine that. Bloody hell, I've got to do a quick PCR test before the pod can continue. Exactly. No, uh, do, do not fret. Uh, stand okay. down, everybody. I'm ready, uh, uh, George okay. Orwell. Right. Okay. This is a good, this is a good one. Um, if you had to cook dinner for your hero, what would you cook? And for whom? So sort of hero, heroine, who, whoever, um, whoever that person might be. Um, so you've got to cook dinner for somebody you admire, your hero. Uh, and what would you cook? Man. Mm. My hero. Uh, living? Either. I mean, we, we can, I think, we, we, the, yeah, let's just factor in um, a little bit of fancy here. So it could be somebody who's uh, sadly no longer with us. Um, but But, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think I'm going to go with a living hero just because the non-living list is quite long. Yeah. Um, and that person would be, I would say, like, my artistic uh, and then especially musical hero is an artist named Nicholas Jar. He's a Chilean-American um, electronic music composer. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that he's vegan. So uh, that limits what we're going to make. I think my, you know, my staple uh, is like a rice and beans. (laughs) Okay. Not very exciting. Um, I could do like a nice like rucola salad, uh, you know, with like some lemon juice, uh, olive oil salt just like real basic maybe some cherry tomatoes um and depending on whether or not nico is trying to carbo load uh i would ask him if he was interested in some sort of you know there could be like some sort of like i guess like a taco thing would be like vegan friendly maybe like jackfruit jackfruit like do uh you know if i'm really trying to impress could be like a Maybe I like marinate some jackfruit for like 24 hours because like Nicholas Jar is coming over and I got to got to impress. So, um, but I would keep it fresh, you know, leafy, mm. more on yep. the, like the salad side. Let's get colorful with it, you know? Yep. Um, and then depending on whether or not we want to carbo load, there is that option. It's very easy to just, uh, you know, put some, the, the rice would be sushi rice, uh, okay. calrose to be more specific. Um, so yeah, uh, so, that's it. It sounds like, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, to be fair to you, mate, um, you've been very, very accommodating. I, I like, uh, not that we've ever, because it's a randomly question, uh, sorry, a randomly generated question. We've not asked anybody that before, but what I do admire about your answer is the fact that you're giving this? You're ne- you're not assuming anything, um, because you're you know if he if he needs to carb, it's almost as if you're going to email him or give him a call and say, look, hey, w- what are you doing the day after, just to factor <laughs> it in. So there's no aside. I really like that that level of care. What um, are your intolerances? Exactly, exactly. I mean, um, and so uh, being a big fan of art myself, in all seriousness, Nicholas Joel, is he? Um, how do I spell that? Because I'm going to look this chap up. 
Nicholas is just with a C. Yeah. Uh, and N I C O L A S. And then Jar is J A A R. Um, okay. His dad's name is Alfredo Jar. Okay. And he's a. Uh, uh, like a more of an installation, like visual artist. Um, But Nico was born in Chile and I think lived there for like seven or eight years and then moved to New York and went to Brown University. It's like um, quite smart, uh, but just makes like, I don't know, the, I, I first kind of when I first listened to his music I like I didn't like it it was like Mm. I it made me feel like kind of weird uh or uncomfortable and then but I just wanted to keep listening to it like I was and but I didn't know why and um he sort of has gone from making like more dancey um kind of like housey tracks but not really following this like general prescribed rule of of how to make dance music. He's always done things differently. And now he's kind of transitioned more into like ambient and electronic stuff, but I've always really respected him because he just does what he wants. Like he started his own record label and he's never really had to answer to anybody. And he also, you know, he, he can make like amazing dance music and I've seen some of his shows and um, like just had like, amazing experiences dancing to his the music that he puts together like he has this like masterful control of the dance floor but if that's not what he wants to give the world he he doesn't feel like he has to and he just makes what he wants to make in order to like fulfill his creative path and creative journey and I just really respect that like as much as I would want him to make banging dance tracks all the time that I can dance to. Like the fact that he just goes off and does all these different projects, um, in various different mediums, like yeah. is super inspiring. Um, so he's I'm like this admit, guy that I look, look, yeah. look up to, um, all the time. It, it is. Uh, I, I do, um, I'm really intrigued and interested <clears throat> in, in art in, in multidiscipline artists. And I think one of my favorites across, maybe not so much music, but across art, sculpture uh, and movies, David Lynch, um, you know, was like a real, real visionary and, you know, quite often makes things that are exceptionally uncomfortable, but you just feel intrigued and drawn almost in a morbid way, but you can still get immense satisfaction. And, and I know you're, I mean, we'll talk, we'll move on to talking a little bit about Manifest Butter and, and your, your foray, not foray. I mean, this is what you do now. Your 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 art art project, but but also another artist that I I know that you know and I can see his inspiration or influence in your art a little bit is Jean Michel Basquiat again, who's probably the, one of the most important artists of the twentieth century. Um, but a DJ and a musician who's in a jazz band as well. You know, sadly lost to us way too young, but. Um, those sorts of artists have always interested me because that they just do their own thing. I mean, uh, and there's there's no pretense. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, I'm just gonna. I like their non-conformist. I think people that don't conform um, are often the people with the most vision, you know. And I, I just think, yeah, people like that. And when you 
when you end up liking something like that, it's it's really addictive. You just want to know all about them, don't you? How you want to know what makes them tick. It's 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 a it's a it's a wonderful thing to have an admiration for somebody like that. Yeah, um, just to make a quick connection uh, and backtrack a tiny bit, um, if people want to listen to, there's a set from, or I guess it's a mix from uh, Nicholas Jarts, the BBC. He did a BBC Essential mix, and you can find it on soundcloud and the mix opens up with um uh uh this the composer of the twin peak soundtrack so to connect with um david lynch yeah Uh, i think his name is andrea badalamenti okay i'm pretty sure the last name is correct uh but he's talking about like uh it's just an excerpt from a youtube video um where he's talking uh, Andrea's talking about his uh, back and forth with David Lynch as they create, as they created the soundtrack, um, this kind of classic uh, like build of tension and release that they have in Twin Peaks. And um, that's how Nico opens up that set. Um, but he also adds like uh, just like one bass note kind of at the climax of uh just simply this YouTube like excerpt that he would have pulled straight from YouTube. And like, that's what I love about Nico's stuff is, and also like, if we're going to compare it to like Basquiat is, I mean, most of modern music is, is sampling and um, taking from various sources, you know? Um, And a lot of what Basquiat was doing was like this really kind of like early version of sampling slash like I like to call it like analog Photoshop because he was just placing different things like on the canvas moving things around like duplicating them but he didn't have the computer to actually do it um and what I like about about Nico is that he'll just take like from from anywhere you know um and then he'll like mess with the the parameters of the audio within this um music application called Ableton and he just has this like complete control over this whole like audio collage uh and it's very it's like a similar kind of composition to the the stuff that I like in visual visual art that's like very um it's like busy but can also be uh kind of quiet even though there's a bunch of layers um and just, you know, you kind of make your own connections uh, based on what you see and how you interpret things. No, it's a, I will definitely look, look, look this chap up as well. And just to, yeah, we, we could really, we, we should almost do a separate art art podcast, to be perfectly honest with you, mate, because there, there's so much to explore and it really does excite me talking about these these people. Um, yeah, but, but we got to get back uh, to bikes, baby. But we, well, no, 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 we're going to get back to bikes. No, no, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get back to Boulder because it's time for the Boulder Quiz. (laughs) Boulder Quiz. (laughs) Boulder Quiz. Now it's time for the Boulder Quiz. This is a quiz about the city of Boulder in Colorado. It is not a quiz about giant rocks. (laughs) I forgot about that bit. (laughs) So, I love to you, imagine that you're just speaking into the mic and then it's like turning it into the robot voice. 
<laughs> I wish I was. I don't think I could hold a straight face, to be honest with you, Taylor. Um, I mean, uh, marks out of 10 for Niall, our producer, for putting that together. Um, I would say it's solid. It's like eight, 8.5. A solid eight point. That's pretty respectable. So still room for improvement, but um, there you go. He's given you a point. You've got a bonus point um, for that. Um, so Taylor, I'm, and so basically, um, you were born. I don't born want to kiss. I don't want to kiss ass. You know. I don't no, 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 no. You got to be. Don't be doing that, mate. You it, it, be respectful. All, yeah, and also he'll he'll get a bit. You know, he's, he's not a, he's a Uber a lo- driver. Yeah, he's going to lose his his modesty. He's a lovely, modest chap, is our Niall, and I don't want him to get too cocky. Not that he ever would, but I think 10 out of 10, it might might change things. 8.7. Yeah, eight point seven. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you got another. Okay, so eight point take eight point, Okay, we got. Maybe just curb it now, mate. <laughs> so we've got to quit the Boulder quiz. Um, every guest, I generally um, do the hometown quiz. Um, now we had Pete. We had Pete Stettiner on about eight weeks ago, and what a lovely chat me and Pete had. And he's from Boulder as well. So what I'm going to do is ask you the exact same questions I asked Pete Stettiner and then compare the two because, well, I'm not going to tell you how he did, but I've got four questions. Uh, they're all multiple choice, okay, about about the city of Boulder. Okay. Okay, so, uh, and these are the questions I did ask um, Pete Stettiner. So uh, we'll see how you fare against the one of the most um, wonderfully mustachioed um, pros out there. So here we go. Are you ready? Uh, I was born ready. Yeah, born. Okay, mate, here we go. So question number one in the Boulder quiz. Okay. In 2005, the city of Boulder experimented in using a particular animal for weed control in particularly environmentally sensitive areas of the city. But what animal was it? Okay. 2005, Boulder experimented in using a particular animal for weed control in sensitive areas. Was it A, prairie dogs? Was it B, goats? Was it C, the Colorado chipmunk, or was it D, the mule deer? Mm, you know, my instinct wants, wants to say prairie dogs, but I don't know if that makes sense. So uh, I feel like goats. Correctamundo. Well done, mate. Goats. So you were, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've got, I mean, well, correct. I mean, mule deer. I mean, goats. They definitely eat grass. I think that's probably the best way to think it. So, like what they exactly. what, what, what they kind of do. So, um, and we're learning something. Exactly. I mean, these are all these are fact based <clears throat> questions. You'll be glad to know. Um, right. <laughs> okay. Question number two. Um, author Stephen King set his book The Stand in Boulder, but what book did he write? Did he write whilst living in Boulder for just under a year, starting in the autumn of 1974? So he set the stand in Boulder, but what book did he write whilst living in Boulder for just under a year in the, the autumn Shining. of 74? It was The Shining. Oh, well done, mate. Yeah. Don't even well need done. Those I was the choice. Oh, yeah. So Let's I was go. Number fuck. three, dog. Okay, here we go. Rapid what? fire. Okay, let's just keep the pace up. Let's just knock it up a couple of cogs. We're on the 15 sprocket now, the 53 tooth chain ring. Um, what is Boulder's official elevation? Okay, is it A, 5,328 5, feet, B, 5,428 feet, C, 5,528 uh, 5, feet, or D, 5,628 feet? I want to go 5, 4... 
It's incorrect, mate, I'm afraid. It was A, 5,328 mm. feet. But um, now, that's, Pete Stetsner on this. Yeah, Pete Stetsner. Yes. Yeah, he put he put a, he appealed this one. He wasn't happy with quite. It's still being lodged. This this particular appeal. It's taking its time going through City Hall. I um, mean, North Boulder is higher than downtown Boulder. There you go. I mean, at what point? At what? Yeah, there, there's a there's a good point. We're going to give you. I'm going to give you half a point. Um, and Pete did correctly appeal that one. Okay, question number four. Okay, um, right. It's quite a long question. This one. Um, let me just, right. Okay. Question number four. The Boulder Cruiser Ride is a weekly bike ride in Boulder that was eventually outlawed by the police due to generally unruly behavior. As a, um, Now, as a public event, however, in 2013, over 400 riders attended the Cruiser Ride to honor what? So it was banned, but in 2013, 400 riders um, did another Cruiser Ride to honor what? Was it A, Giant Dave, a black bear who died at the age of 45 and was a popular bear to locals? Was it B, Big Boy, a local elk shot and killed by a Boulder police officer? Was it C, Ken the Black Leopard, who was hit by an ambulance on Maple (laughs) Avenue? Or was it D, Ellsworthy, the one-legged chipmunk, who passed away in his sleep in the Greenwood Wildlife Rehabilitation Centre? The bear? It wasn't... Giant Dave, the big bear. I made that up. It was Big Boy, the local elk. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It 50%. took me. Yeah, that's not too well. I, I think you got about sixty percent because you got the bonus. You got a bonus. Um, I'm gonna give you half a point for challenging. So not too bad, mate. I went, that wasn't too bad at all. So um, I think a round of applause is in the offing. Um, I, we would we would never name anything Ellsworthy in America. No. That I because I thought I, I I just like the name Ellsworthy, but do you think it's more <laughs> British? That's, so I just chose and Ken. Who's going to name an, a black leopard? Ken. Bit well, of a giveaway, also really. a black. What is a black leopard? They they. Are, I don't know if I made that. I think what I did. I looked up famous wild animals in Boulder, and there are black leopards, but they're very rare. Um. There we go. So, right. giving you giving you an insight into the amount of research I put into Matt Stevens unplugged there, really, mate. Um, okay, back to back to bikes a little bit. No, I was going to actually. At what point, um, Taylor? <laughs> did you did you? Re- it's kind of bikes, but it's uh-huh. not. At what point did you did, did you realise that um, you you wanted to stop racing, mate? At what point in the last couple of years of your career, or was it earlier that you thought, okay, um, I, I want to retire? Mm, I mean, the moment that I decided to retire, I was in the Doubletree Hotel in Sacramento, California, which is this hotel that we we just stay seem to stay in like every year in tour of California, and you always have to walk like this large long distance to like get to this buffet and the buffet just like sucks every day and it's the same and i was just kind of sitting there and i was like what what am i doing here uh i've been at this hotel like so many times i just felt like i was like kind of trapped in this loop and um and yeah then charlie wigalius came up to me and he was like what's wrong with you (laughs) And I was like, wow. mm, I think I'm done. 
And then we wow. went on a walk around the car park and it's like, yeah, I'm out. And, um, so that was like the moment that I decided that I wanted to retire. I mean, I, it's really, I'd like feel like I was felt like I was kind of living like a double life for the last sure. couple years of my career where I had so many just interests outside of cycling or even within cycling, but like mountain biking, um, bike packing, like just experiencing the bike in a different way. And I felt like my relationship with road racing was kind of toxifying my overall relationship with bikes. And I felt like bikes were more important than whatever success I was chasing in road cycling. Sure. And so, yeah, there were a couple of things like that I wanted to cross off the list before I retired. That was like, um, going to the Tour de France, finishing the Tour de France, for example. Um, and so I felt like, I guess there was that one moment in Tour of California, but then there was just general, like, a lot of like back and forth in my head and like a lack of desire to just go out and ride on the road. And like, I, I was, anytime I would go riding, I would end up on a dirt road or like a trail on my road bike. And I would just be trying to push this bike to do something that it wasn't made to do. And I would just be fantasizing about like riding different bikes and doing things differently with different people. Yeah. And not having to travel and go to all these races that like you just go to the same races every year. And like, yeah, I mean, Perry Roubaix is sick and it's exciting. Uh, it's the same thing every year, you know, sure. like the calendar is the same. And some people really like that kind of routine and they need that and they look forward to having this like, uh, something that they can, um, count on like this kind of, uh, like, you know, that something is going to happen at a certain time of the year. But I felt like all I wanted to do was just explode that whole thing and just do random stuff and travel and ride my bike and, and make art, um, and just not be beholden to like any sort of schedule. Um, and I'd also been doing it since, you know, pretty intensely since I was in high school and I never, I never really, um, got to experience like what being a 20 something year old was like without having this kind of schedule, um, that just sort of hangs, hangs over the head. And, you know, it has provided me with the life that I live today. So for that, I am forever grateful, you know, um, And it's also provided me with the perspective and the understanding of uh, what I like and what I want to do. And so in that way, there's no, you know, there's no negativity or like resentment about racing um, uh, or especially about retiring um, because it's all just been this journey to kind of show me like to, to bring me kind of back to my roots of, of what I really like to do. And, um, 
and so yeah yeah, uh, it's a long answer, as are most it, of my answers. To be no, fair. but it, it's um, that, that's why the podcast <clears throat> format is is um, is so is great because people can. It's it's wonderful when people give you expansive answers, and it's nice when I don't do much talking apart from really lengthy questions on the, on the the Boulder quiz, for example. But it, it's it's really the fact that you have been racing intensely at the highest level, the routine that comes with that, the sacrifice that comes with that. And, and, and I guess making the decision when you did um, meant that you've never actually fallen out of love with the bicycle. Because, and, and at some point in most podcasts, I get I get to this with my guests, and it's the fact that we we fell in love with the bike as a kid. Mo- most kids fall in love with bikes, but you, you've managed to do race at the highest level in the world, meet wonderful people, travel the world, um, experience the sweetness of success, the despair of failure and injury. Uh, and, and what that does, I think is, is helps gives you, I, I think sport, elite sport and endurance sport, especially cycling can give you a wonderfully rich perspective on things, but uh, you know, you're, you're still a young man, you know, you're still only 31 years of age, but you clearly from speaking to you a few times now and reading about you and seeing you out there and you seem very, very content. You've, you've got a, a lot that you want to do in your life and, but cycling for the first 15 years of your life has served its purpose now, but you're still, you're still in love with the bike. And that's, that's a really wonderful thing. Cause it, it's almost to a degree, the backbone still of what you do. Yeah. I mean, I would say like, to be perfectly honest that I only really fell in love with the bike, like when I retired. Right. Okay. Uh, Cause I, I think I was, I viewed cycling as this sort of, um, you know, I guess, pun intended vehicle to success when I was younger. Um, I was also really, you know, intense about like wanting to be good and win different things. And I had very big goals and I wasn't afraid to state what those goals were. Um, But I, it wasn't that I, I think I fell in love with winning and I fell in love with racing. Um, So I sort of fell in love more with like the ego side of, the sport uh, versus the, the, the kind of like passion, more exploratory, um, the, the, the foundation of what, what cycling can bring to a person is, you know, mobility and uh, this, like this, this, uh, this, just the ability to explore not only your surroundings, but also yourself and your body. Um, so it wasn't until I, until I stopped racing that I was really like, oh, I can ride whatever bike I want now. And then that has, uh, just opened up this full fledged passion and love for all things two wheels. Um, and you know, whether it's like restoring old bikes or I just, got a BMX bike that I'm like, I couldn't sleep last night because I was just thinking about <laughs> like BMX and, um, just in all of its, in all of, in all of her forms, you know, the bicycle yeah. is, uh, is just so much fun. And like what you were saying, or I guess what I was saying is, um, so I know so many pros or I, I came to know so many pros that when, once they finished their career, they like never touched their bikes again because yeah, they were just yeah. like 
burnt out on it and they like yep. pushed it too far. And so I kind of became uh, like my reasoning for stepping away was, was, was more, it was more of a protective uh, decision, not only to protect my passion and love for cycling, but also to protect my body because I went through um, quite a number of injuries uh, and then was dealing with chronic pain all the time and was just kind of like, you know, I'm going to be old one day and I would like to be able to do stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I, I only have, I started to realize like I only have like a finite amount of energy. And if I just keep like blasting my, especially like my, the, the sort of quote unquote bad knee that I have from, from this accident that I had like six years ago, like it's not going to, it's not going to work very well when I'm in my forties. And, and so I'd like to be able to continue to do shit, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, um, it's a really, it's a really interesting way of putting it. And God, you know, your point about the amount of pros that we, that we both know. I mean, obviously I'm a couple of decades older, but there are so many guys that you look at and you went, wow, you know, you, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't want to speak, speak ill of, of, of people who've made uh, particular decisions, but um, to still be, or to, let me, let me, let me be a bit more succinct. I enjoy riding my bike now more than I ever have done. Um, and I, I, I stopped racing, I guess, I don't know, nine years ago now. Um, I don't ride anywhere near as much, but when I do, I absolutely have a blast. Um, and um, because I'm not tearing myself inside out, I mean, generally most rides that I did, apart from the odd cafe ride, um, and races were brutally hard. Um, and, but, but I love at 51 years of age, I love riding my bike still. Um, and I look, I really look forward to it, uh, in almost in a childlike way. Um, but I, I love the fact that you're, you know, you couldn't sleep because you just wanted to get on this BMX. That's just so cool. That just shows that that, I know we use the word passion. It's very overused, isn't it? But that is, that is passion, isn't it? When you can get that excited, like a kid on Christmas Eve about, doing up an old bike that's very very cool yeah we had this uh lucky uh lachlan morton and i were at the bike we had this little bike park here in boulder it's not a bike park in the terms where you like jump on a truck and do this big run but there's like jumps and a pump track and a skate park and we were there with our mountain bikes and just kind of jibbing in the skate park and we were both like you know, we could use BMX bikes. And I was like, man, I've been thinking about getting a BMX bike for the longest time. And he was just like, well, why don't we just do that? I'm like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) And then we just went and went to the store in South Denver. And it's like the most fun thing because you, you pick out the frame, you pick out the handlebars, you pick out the stem, the headset, like bottom bracket, crank, sprocket, you like build up the wheels and it's just, it's like playing with Legos and then you know that you're going to be able to like shred and it's like, they're like beefy, you know, they're like ready to just be thrown off the top of buildings and survive. So, um, I'm excited to get back to my parkour roots of jumping off buildings, but this time... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with two wheels underneath me. 
Indeed, indeed. No, a friend of mine, um, Tom Tom Last, who is an, an ex-pro and then obviously worked at, and still works at GCN behind the scenes a few years back, maybe five or six years ago, he said, Matt, I've got this old Huffy BMX that I'm going to th- throw away. Do you want it? And I'm like, yeah. So maybe been longer than that, actually, maybe eight, nine years ago, and he was racing for a team I ran. And he gave me this Huffy. Bear in mind, I was 42 at the time. And then my, my young boy was just getting into a little bit of BMX. He had his own. And I jumped on this Huffy. And we had so much fun um, to down the local BMX track. The Ch- Chenay's Reed BMX track was um, after the uh, ex-world champion. Yeah. Um, and uh, her her BMX track is in the town I lived. But again, I was 42 years of age, jumped on a BMX. I hadn't been on a BMX for the best part of 25 years. And God, it was there was such a rush. So good. So, so good, mate. So good. Um, Taylor, we're getting towards the end of the pod. And there's a few more questions I want to ask, but you'll be relieved to know that they are one-word answers. So it's time for the one-word answer quiz. The one-word answer quiz. Quiz. <laughs> I love that little bit of synth that you put in there. Um, okay, There's a one word bit of like Sgt. Pepper's <laughs> in the production, and I respect that. Well, what? Yeah, uh, there you go. N- Niall uh, has spoken with his little ding there, um, but no, thank you very much for that. Um, right, one word answers only, uh, Taylor. Your state of mind right now? Blank. Blank. Okay. Your, f- <laughs> <laughs> your, your favorite fruit? Fully at peace. Um, banana. Banana. Okay. Um, okay. I want one word to sum up this moment. Wearing pink in Denmark on the 5th of May, 2012 at the Jura. Terrified. Terrified. Oh, great. What a good answer. Um, the last taste in your mouth. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, I guess it would. Um, I guess it would have been like coffee or uh, toothpaste. 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 Okay, good. Good answer. Um, okay, the last one-word answer, which will wrap things up quite nicely. Um, sum up in one word how a bike should feel to you. dynamic oh what a lovely word i like that mate i mean that was a cracking answer and what an enjoyable uh, what an enjoyable podcast that was i can't thank you enough taylor that was an absolute pleasure and i think we only we only kind of scratched the surface of uh, of your interests and the thing is a lot is out there written about you in in relation to um what you've done as a bike rider just wanted to maybe scratch the surface and have a little look about what you do now and, um, and get a sense of what makes you tick. And it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, may I just direct people to not only your Instagram, but to manifest butter. We didn't really get a lot to talk about, but that, that essentially is your art project, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, um, yeah, you can just, it's one of my multiple accounts. There's a couple of secret ones out there, but, um, Ooh, okay. <clears throat> but manifest butter is something that I share with my friend David uh, in Spain, and we painted a bunch of jackets together. We've also done some some collaborations together. Um, but I'm I'm gonna start kind of posting more of my art stuff on my my normal personal channel. So um, 
yeah at taylor finney nice one mate nice one well taylor it's been an absolute pleasure hopefully um i'd like to think that i'll be able to come over to uh to Girona um, next year and, and, and hang out and uh, go for a ride with you, mate, because that, that would be that would be great fun. Uh, but for now, um, Taylor Finney, it's been a pleasure. Take care. Say hello to, to Cassia as well. And, and hopefully I'll see you soon, mate. But thanks again. Cool. Thanks, guys. What a cool guy. I think you'll agree. Do go and check out his art at Manifest Butter on Instagram. It is very impressive stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that in the future, too. Thanks to Perry App Gwyneth for the podcast theme tune and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the pod and want to recommend it to a Chilean American techno composer who's popped round for some vegan nachos. Finally, a massive thanks again to Taylor for joining us on the podcast today. I hope he continues to enjoy his newfound passion for bikes of all shapes and sizes. Cheers all, stay safe and goodbye. Goodbye.